We begin today in the Gemara on Dav Gimel, about eight lines down from the top of the Yomud, where it says, Leime Masnisim Deloik Rabbi Yaisi. This is going back to the Mishnah, where it said, Halacha of Shnaimachs and Batalis, two people grab onto a Talis, each one says, Kulashali, and the halacha is yachloiku, but first each one of them has to make a shvua, swear that I have no less than half of this that's mine, and then yachloiku. Just to remind you another detail, the Gemara said before that the Mishnah was speaking about two cases. A case where each one claims that they found it, and another case where each one claims that they bought it. They both paid for it, and each one claims that I had the agreement of the seller that he's selling it to me. So on this the Gemara asks, Leime, Masnisen, Deloike, Rabbi Yaisi. Shall we say that the halacha of our Mishnah does not follow Rabbi Yaisi? Because if we would follow Rabbi Yaisi, Ha'omar, Rabbi Yaisi, regarding a different case, says, In Cain, Ma Hifsid Ramai. What does the thief, or the Ramai, the tricker, lose out from this? What's the case Rabbi Yaisi is speaking about? So Rashi brings from the Gemara and the Flamid Zion, there it speaks about a case where two people gave money to someone to hold for them. And they came together. They came together to give this money, but one of them gave $200, and the other one gave $100. Then when they come to pick up their money from this person, each one claims the $200 was mine. So what do you do in this case? So the Tanakhama in that Mishnah says, $100 you give to each one of them, because for sure, each one of them gave $100. That third hundred, which each one claims that it belongs to him, so there's a suffix. We don't know what to do with it. So that, we have to, Yehei Munach, we leave it, leave it until Eliyahu and Novi comes. That's Allah. On that, Rabbi Yaisi comments and says, "In If you're giving each one of them a hundred, and it's only the third hundred that you say you leave and no one gets it, you leave until Eliyahu Novi comes and tells us who it belongs to, so then what does this Ramai lose? He takes a chance to say that I'm the one that gave the two hundred. He's not going to lose anything. If he gave a hundred, his hundred is getting back. So what, is he, what does he lose by doing this? Eloi says, in order to to take away the motivation of this person to claim such a thing, what we do is, let everything stay there until Eliyahu Anavi comes, and therefore now this person that gave 100 and claims that he gave 200 will be Maida, because he wants to get back at least his 100. So, so there, that's what Rabbi, Rabbi Yesi says over there. So if so, what's the Gemara's question? In our Mishnah, seemingly also there's a case here where you have a Ramai. So over here you have two people that are grabbing onto this talis, and each one claims that it's uh, that half is his. So what what is the, if you're going to say give half to him and half to him? So then my that am I? So why over here in our Mishnah are we saying the halacha is yachleku? Over here the halacha should be like Rabbi Yosi says, Yehei Munach. The entire talis should just sit and wait until Eliyahu Novi comes and will tell us what to do with it. So so this says the Gemara. El So what are you going to say? So it can't be Rabbi Yosi. So Rabbanon, so then what it says in our Mishnah follows Rabbanon's opinion that I just mentioned before, that the, the hundred you give to each one of them. It's only the third hundred that you put aside until Eliyahu Novi comes. That's what the Rabbanon say. So Lakiv in Domri Rabbanon, in that case, what do the Rabbanon say? Hashar, the leftover, meaning the that third hundred which they're arguing about. That we leave and we wait until Eliyahu Novi comes. If so, the question is, according to the Rabbanon, in our Mishnah we should apply the same thing. Over here, dummy. Over here, this case that they're, they're arguing about this talis. Each one says shali, or kulishli. That is sorry. Each one says that the entire talis is his. So this entire talis that they're arguing about is like that third hundred dollars that they're arguing about. The, the one hundred and one hundred, none of them are arguing about. It's the third hundred that they're arguing about. And regarding that third hundred, what did the rabbanon say? Not yachleiku. We don't split it. We just say, Yehei Munach, let it stay until Yehei comes. So the question is, how does that fit with what Rabbana Paskin there? 
Over there, the Rabbanan say that you let it stay, let it stay put until Yohanan comes. So why in our mission would Rabbanan say, Yachleiku? So our mission doesn't fit with the Rabbanan either. Again, uh, so this, this Hanami Kishar Domi, this Fekihi, because this, uh, this, uh, talis here is like that third hundred, which is a suffix. Says the Gemara, no. According to the Rabbanan, we can explain the difference. Why there the halacha is Yehei Munach, and over here the halacha is Yachleiku. Hi, Mai. What, 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 let's see over here, what are you saying here regarding the opinion of the Rabbanan? If you'd want to say that our Mishnah follows the opinion of the Rabbanan, so then I can explain why the Rabbanan say that the halacha in our Mishnah is different. Hasam, over there, in that case, by the Pekadon, the Vadai Haimana the Chad Minayahu. This third mana that they're arguing about, it definitely belongs only to one of them. We know that only one of them gave that third money, meaning $200. So therefore, over there, Over there, Rabbanan say, you can't split it. Because how would Bezin split something when we know for a fact that this Chalukah splitting it, it is impossible to be true? This is what's called Ein HaChalukah Yechai Eliyas It's impossible that half is his and half is his. Only one of them gave that, that $200. So therefore, over there, Chachamim say, you can't split it. You have to leave it until Eliyahu Novi comes. Hacha, in our case, the Tarvayahu. Over here, there is a possibility that this belongs to both of them. Whether in the case where each one claims that I found it first, it's possible that they actually physically found it first, that they both grabbed onto it first. And regarding the case where each one of them claims that he bought it, it is possible that the, that the seller agreed to sell it to both of them, and therefore he sold half to each one of them. So over here, this Chalukah, when the Mishnah says that you divide it, it's possible that it's true. So therefore, So in our case, Chachamim say, you can split it with a Shvuah first, as the Gemara explained before, the point of the Shvuah, you split it with a Shvuah. And so the point here over here is, is this Chalukah, that's the way the Rishayim put it. Is it a possibility for this to be true, or any Chalukah? In our Mishnah, it's possible for it to be true, so why should we just let it sit there until Yohanavi comes? We, we, we split it between them. That's according to the Chachamim. On the other hand, though, but if we're going to follow the opinion of Rabbi Yaisi, so now, it's a Kavachimah. If over there by that case of the Pekot, where there's an argument who gave that extra money, in that case, 100, each one of them definitely gave and should be getting back from this Shimer here that was holding onto it for them. But nevertheless, Amr Rabbi Yaisi, Rabbi Yaisi says, Yehei, Munachat Shiyovi that we want to, that we pass in, that let it all stay put until the Yohan Navi comes in order to motivate the liar to, to, to admit. So, Hacha, the Iklamem of the Chadminayuhu, in our case, where it's also possible that this belongs just to one of them and not to the other one. True, the Gemara just said a second ago that it's possible that it belongs to both of them, that they both picked it up at the same time. But it's also possible that it belongs to one of them, that only one of them picked it up. So like Kosher came, for sure, <coughs> Rabbi Yisus should say, Over there, you're taking that money that definitely belongs to them, and you're saying, no, Rabbi Yisus is this concept that we, we leave it in the Bezdin in order to motivate them to be Maida. We're taking away something that we know for a fact belongs to them just to get them to be Maida. So over here in our case, where there's a possibility that this belongs to, to uh, again, it, it's a possibility that it belongs to only one of them that is. It's a possibility it only belongs to one of them and nevertheless we should say that we split it between them. Why should we split it between them? In such a case, for sure we shouldn't split it between them. For sure we should say, Yehei Munach, that it should stay put in the Bezdin. So the Gemara answers, no, there's another detail here that explains why Rabbi Yaisi would agree to what it says in our Mishnah. 
We can say that in our Mishnah, where the halach is Yachloiku, Rav Yaisi agrees to this. Why? What's the difference? Hasam, in that case, by the Pekad, where each one claims that I gave $200, Vadai Ikeramai. There's one person there that's a thief, that's a liar, that is claiming that he gave the 200 He's lying about this. So in that case, Rav Yaisi says, let it all stay in the Bezdin, Yehei Munach, in order to get one, one of them, which is the Ramai, to be Maida. However, over here though, in our case of the Mishnah, who says that there's anyone that's a Ramay over here? In our case, where each one of them claims that I found it first, it's possible that each one actually thinks that he found it first. So if you have two people that uh, see a, a Mitziah and they both dash to it, to, to grab onto it first, each one thinks that he taka grabbed it first. Or the same thing by the Mecca each one thinks that I'm the one that got an agreement from the seller, he's selling it to me. So in such a case, there is no Ramay. So this is another point the Gemara is saying here. Before, the Gemara was focusing on the point whether whether the actual splitting of this talis, is there a, a theoretical possibility that this splitting is true? Is something that actually happened? That he got half and he got half. Here the Gemara is focusing on something else. Do we have a vaday rama here? Is there someone that's lying in our case? And the answer is no, there isn't anybody that's lying in our case. So the whole point of Rabbi Yaisi to say Yehei Munach even regarding money that we know for sure belongs to them was because there was a Vada Rama in the story. So we want to motivate him to be Maida. In our case though, Rav Yesi is not going to apply that concept because there's no Vada Rama here. If you remember, we learned yesterday in Rashi, in the, Maralaf, in the last Rashi, the Rashi says, in the case of the Talis, there could also be an example of a Vada Rama. What would that be? If both of them are claiming that I wove this Talis, then there's somebody that's lying here. But the Gemara did not say that. The Gemara said that either each one is claiming that I found it, or each one is claiming that I uh, bought it. In those two cases, there's no Vada Rama. Each one actually thinks that he, uh, that he got it first. So therefore, Vera Yesi's made it. There's no reason to say, Yehei Monach. Over here, in our case, I could say that they both picked it up together, and therefore... There's no reason to make this knas or to say that uh, you have to let, let it stay over there until the Yonavi comes. Another answer the Gemara says to explain why Rabbi Yaisi could fit with our Mishnah, Inami, or I can say, Hosom, Konisle Rabbi Yaisi Liramai. Over there, Rabbi Yaisi, there's, there's a point of why Rabbi Yaisi gives a knas to the Ramai, because this will help. Why? The point is, if you not take away all the money from them and none of them are getting anything, the Ramai is going to show up and say, uh, sorry, I forgot, I made a mistake. He's gonna, it's going to be motivating to be made But over here, in our case, even if there was a Ramai, even if it was that case that I just mentioned that Rashi says that each one claims that I wove this talus and there is a real Ramai here. But what... what do you have, if you're going to say that just don't give it to any of them, he's not losing out anything. So how is that going to help? Why should it be Maida? Right. So in other words, by the case of, uh, by the, case of um, the, the money, we each one gave a Pekodin. It's money that he gave as a Pekodin from his pocket. And now he's going to be losing. If you say, hey, Munach. So this will motivate him to be Maida. Over here, this Ramai comes along and just takes a chance. He says, he's going to make a claim that I found it. He's going to make a claim that I bought it. Or he's going to make a claim that he wove this talus. If he's not going to get it, so he, did, he didn't have it. He never had it before. He never has it now. He's not losing anything. So saying that I'm going to just say, hey, Munach, and I'm not going to give it to him, it's not a motivation for him why not to lie, why to come forward and to be maida. Why should he be maida? He's not losing anything either way. He never had it from before either way. If he wove it or he bought it. Wow. 
He didn't though. No. Oh, but he gave to buying it. The Gemara is going to ask for it now. Oh, let's see. So the Gemara now says, Teinach Metziah. Says the Gemara, yeah, when he gave to Metziah, this is taka true. If a person just takes a chance and claims that he found it, so then what does he lose if, if he doesn't end up getting it? So taking it away from him is, is not going to motivate him to be made. But, but if a person claims that he bought it, Michael and Neymar, what are you going to say over here? Over here there is a motivation. If you're going to say that we're going to take this talus and we're going to take the money as well, the money that both of them paid for the talus, and we're going to put it all aside. And then one of them is going to come forward to be made. In that case, you do stand to lose because you paid for it, and you're putting the talus and the money all aside. So Michael and how is that a good answer to explain why Rabbi Yesi and our Mishnah would not say Yei Monach? So therefore, because of this, the Gemara Take says, Ela so the better answer is Kedushan Meikara, like we answered before. That the difference between our Mishnah and, Rabbi, and, and the case that Rabbi Yisrael is speaking about is whether there's a Vade Ramai. By the case of the Pekodin, there's a Vade Ramai. In our Mishnah, we're speaking about a case where there is no Vade Ramai. And that's why there's no point to say, Yehei Monach. Now the Gemara goes back to another case that was mentioned before here in the Gemara. It says the Gemara like this, Bein Rabbanan, both according to the Rabbanon and Rabbi Yaisi, they both hold it in a case where there's a definite liar in the story. So then there's a, there's a din of Yehei Munach. You have to put aside the, the, the mana. The only argument between Rabbanon and Rabbi Yaisi was whether you put aside only that mana that they're arguing about or you put aside all of it in order to get him to be made. But they both agreed that in such a case where there's a dev, there was a vaderami, you put it all aside. See, if so, says the Gemara, Hossam, the case that was mentioned before, and Dav Beis, Amit Beis. What's the case? The case of the storekeeper that has his book, of, where, he, where he writes down who he gives to on credit. So what's that story again? We spoke about it yesterday, again, quickly, this, the story of here. The case of the story is when you have a person that owes money to his workers, and he tells the storekeeper that he always gets food from the grocery on credit, tells the storekeeper, you pay my workers, or you give uh, groceries to my workers, and then I'll pay you back. Write it down on your, in your booklet, and I'll, give, and I'll pay you back. What happens? The, the, the storekeeper comes and says, I paid your workers, and he has it written in his pinkest that he paid his workers. Here, pay me back now. Reimburse me for this that I paid your workers. The workers come along to him the next day and say, we never got a penny from this chamani. He never paid us. So what do you do in such a case? So over there, the Mishnah says, Diktani, the Mishnah Mesech Teshvua says, Zeh Nishba Venaitel, the storekeeper will come and swear that he paid and he will collect this money from this, this person. And Zeh Nishba Venaitel. And the workers will come and swear that we never got paid and we'll also get paid. The person's going to have to pay twice now. That's what the Mishnah says. So the question is, my shno, what's the difference over there in that case? The layam, you know, why don't we say, nafke This balabayas, he owes the money to one of them. He either owes this money to the storekeeper or he owes the money to the workers. So let's take that money from the balabas, but we can't give it to either one of them. Someone is lying over here. There's a definite, there's a vaday rami, someone's lying. And this money should be put aside until Eliyahu will come. Because in this case, one of them is certainly lying over here. So none of them should end up getting anything. So the Gemara answers like this. Omri, so they said to answer this as follows. Hossam, in that case, where the Chemveni and the Payalim, each one claim that they're owed money now by this Balabas, the reason is as follows. So first of all, the storekeeper. The storekeeper tells the Balabas as follows. Anosh, Lichuse, Didochka, Vidna, 
Avdina, I did your shlichus to go and pay this person. You hired me or you asked me to go and pay your workers. I did it for you. I have nothing to do with these workers. I don't trust them. They, I never had any dealings with them. I have dealings with you, with the Balabas. You hired me to do this. So even if these workers are going to swear to me that they got paid from me, sorry, that they did not get paid from me, I'm not going to trust that Shavuah. I never, I, it's not a case where I lent them money or I gave them a Pekadim where there's some trust that I have to any, any Shavuah that they make for me. I have nothing to do with these workers. I never hired them. You hired these workers. I'm just here, a middle guy that you asked me to do you a favor to pay them. So I did that favor and I went ahead and paid them. Atamante, you're the one that trusted these workers and you had such a trust in them. When you told me to pay them, you didn't warn me that when I pay these workers, I better have witnesses that will see that I'm paying them. So therefore, basically, you're the one that got me, the Balabas, you're the one that got me involved in this story, and you didn't warn me that these workers are not trustworthy people, and I should make sure to pay them in front of witnesses, because they may deny the whole payment. So therefore, he turns back to the Balabas and says, I don't know from these workers, I don't want to hear from them. I'm just coming to you, make believe there's no workers here. I took out money from my pocket for your sake, and you caused me to take out money from my pocket, not in front of Adam. He didn't warn me about this, and therefore now, it's you, the, the, the Balabas is the one, you have to re reimburse me for this. That's this, it. This could be a lie too. Again? And a Hanami, true. But the, the Balabas is the one that trusted the Chanveni. So, so, there, so therefore, this taina that the Chemveni has, the Chemveni says to the Balabas, you trusted me, you sent me on a shlichus, and I did what you told me to do, and therefore now you have to pay, pay for me. He's going to have to make a shvua and a chanami. It could be a lie, and therefore Chachamim did uh, institute that there should be a shvua here. But the Balabas, if he swears to back up his claim to the Balabas, the Balabas is going to have to pay now. Because the Balabas has that relationship with this uh, Chemveni, and he trusts his shvua, and therefore he's going to have to pay him. It's the same thing also now with the with the workers. The Sochanami, the worker that wants to get paid from the Balabas, says the same exact thing. I don't know who this who this Chemveni is. I have nothing to do with the Chemveni. Amalela Balabai is the worker says to the Balabas, I did a job for you. I don't know this Chemveni. I didn't do a job for the Chemveni. This, this storekeeper doesn't owe me any money. I, I don't know him at all. Even if this storekeeper will swear to me that he paid me, I don't trust him. I don't believe him. And his Shavua to me is meaningless. I have, I, I have dealings with you. you. You were the one that hired me. I did a job for you. You have to pay me. So therefore, in such a case, both of them come individually and they swear to the Balabas, and and they take their payment from the Balabas. That's over here in this case. So therefore, in such a case, you can't say, Whereas by the case of the Pekada, it's a little bit different. By the case of the Pekada, the Gemara Leir and the Zion says, these two people that gave this Pekada, and they came together. They both had money. They came together to give this Pekada for this person, one guy 100, and one guy 200. So in this case, all these three people involved there know each other and they're in it together. Because they, they came together in such a case, we say, Okay, the Gemara now starts a whole new Indian. It's going back to the Mishnah, the Shvuah and the Mishnah. But this, this begins the Shvuah, the, the, the Sugya of Maida B'Miktas. Like the Gemara say, Tani taught. A person comes and he wants to collect from his friend. He says, you owe me a hundred dollars. And this person denies it all. He says, I don't owe you a penny. 
But there are witnesses that testify that half of it you do owe. You paid half, but half of it you do owe. So, sorry, let me just clarify. The Edom are not testifying regarding the other half. They just are, they're, they're testifying regarding one half that that half he did not pay it. So in such a case, those 50 Zos that the Edom testified that you owe, so you have to pay. Regarding the other 50 Zos that you deny and say that you paid already, so that you're going to have to swear that you don't owe it. That's not the, the point that he's saying over here is that this is similar to Maidib and Miktas. The case where Adim are testifying that you still owe half should not be any different than the case where a person is Maida, when a person admits himself that he still owes half. So the Allah of Maidib and Miktas is learned, as Rashi brings, is learned from the Pasik where it says, uh, from there you learn when a person, someone asks of him that you, or demands of him that you owe $100 and the person denies half of it and he's made it to half. So then there's a shvua. You have to swear on that half that you deny and the half that you made that you pay. Similar over here, in this case, the person is denying the entire thing. But Aiden are testifying that he owes half. So the fact that Adam are testifying that you owe half, that should be no less than the fact that you yourself admitted that you owe half, where there's a shvua. In this case, where instead of you admitting it, Adam are saying so, the same shvua should apply as well. The power of the words of the Adam is definitely no less than the power of the fact that you yourself was made that's Machai of you a shvua. It's him against Adam, he says he owes Again? nothing. It's him against the Adam, he says he owes nothing. Yeah, okay. Hanami. Yeah, no, but the Edom are not, the Edom are not saying though, of course, so that's why the 50 he pays. Because that's what, he, what he's saying is against Edom, so that 50 he has to pay. The other 50 though, that, that, that he's uh, denying, the Edom don't say anything about that. The Edom don't know anything about that. So regarding that other 50, he's going to have to be, he's going to have to make a shvur. Says the Gemara, Vitana Tuna, now seemingly the Tana from Mishnah taught this halacha, that you have to make a shvur in such a case where Edom are testifying that you owe half. And the Gemara shows how this could be the explanation for the Shvua in our Mishnah, by the case of Shnayim Eichzim Betalis. Shnayim Eichzim Betalis, in this case, when the two people are grabbing onto the Talis. Each one of them claims that he found half of the Talis. Or, sorry, each one claims that he found it first, and, he, and he, each one claims that the whole entire thing is his. So what does the Mishnah say? That each one of them has to swear before they can get half of it. What's the pshat in this? Why are they swearing? One of the things that we discussed already before in the Gemara is what's the point of the shvua over here? Why don't you just divide it? So here the Gemara suggests to say that maybe this is a shvua menateira, similar to this halacha that Rabchia said when you have Adam that are testifying that you do owe 50%. How, what, where is there over here Adam in our Mishnah? So the Gemara explains, v'hahacha in our Mishnah, kivin the toughest. The case of here is that each one of them is grabbing onto the talus. Anan sahadi, the ma'ida tafis haidi deyu, or ma'ida tafis haidi deyu. Grabbing onto something is like witnesses. When you have something in your hands, what does that show? That means that it's yours. That's a raya that it's yours. Otherwise, what is it doing in your hands? So the very fact that you're holding on to something, this is the halacha always by metaltal, and the very fact that something is in your hands is in itself a raya, like Adam, as if Adam are telling this to us, that this, is, that this belongs to you. So each one of them is grabbing onto the talis. So we have Adam that say that half of this belongs to you. So therefore this person says, it's all mine. 
But then you have Adim that say, no, half of it belongs to the other person, because the other person is holding on to it. So th therefore, this is similar to a case where a person says, he denies the whole thing, he says, it's all mine, and there's Adim that say that, no, half of it belongs to the other person, because there's, the other person is holding on to it. And what does it say in our mission? of katani, the mission says, Yishava, that you have to swear. So therefore the Gemara wants to explain that the Shavuah in our Mishnah is the Shavuah of Maide B'Miktsas. There's no actual Maide B'Miktsas, but the fact that each one is grabbing onto it is equivalent to Edim. So therefore it's like you have Edim here saying that half belongs to the other person, and you're denying it all, you're saying no, it all belongs to me. Therefore you have to swear in our Mishnah. So our Mishnah is a source to what Rav Chiyah said. Okay, the Gemara is going to come back to this Raya of the Mishnah. Eventually the Gemara is going to refute this Raya from the Mishnah. We'll see it later. But if, meanwhile, the Gemara here explains what was the words that Abchia said here. What did Abchia mean to say when he said that when a person admits with his own mouth to something, and here the Torah says that there's a Shavu of Maidim Mixas, this shouldn't be any greater than Hadas Edim. For sure, if Edim say that you all have, for sure you should have to make a Shavu of Mikavachaymer. And you have a Kavachaymer for this. What the Gemara is addressing over here is, why was it necessary to have this Kavachaymer? What would be the Svara to say that there's any distinction between you being Maida or Adam testifying that you owe half? There has to be some Svara that I would have thought to make a distinction and therefore Abchiyah to have a special Kavachaymer to show that that's not true. And the Gemara will soon explain what that Kavachaymer is. Now the point is, Shaloi Taimar, you shouldn't say, Haidas Piv, it's only when a person is maida himself, there is where the Torah says that a person makes a shvua for being maida, maida b'miktas. And why is that? Because if you understand what the reason and what the basis behind this shvua is, you'll see that there's a svara to say that that only applies when a person is maida, not when you have Aiden to testify that he owes half. So what's the reason for the shvua of maida b'miktas? And this is based on what Rabbi explained regarding the shvua. Rabbi explains, Why does the Torah say when a person admits to half that he has to swear on the part that he's denying? And the question over here is, as Rashi explains, this person is, is sort of doing a favor. He's coming forward and he's being maida on his, on his own volition to half, to half of this, this thing. He's a meshiva veda. In such a case, he shouldn't have to swear for this. Nobody demanded anything from him that, that, that he should be maida, that, that brings him to be maida. He's on his own coming and being maida. So in such a case, Adarabha, that should be a reason why we should trust this person and why he should not have to make a shvua. Why does the Torah say, a kaifer akayel, person that denies the whole thing, minatayr is patr The maida b'miktsas, seemingly he's, a nice, he's better, he's nicer, he's coming and, and offering to pay half, he has to make a shvua. Why is that? He's been to evade the whole thing. Yeah, and a Hanami, No, but Afal Pikain, just the fact that he's being Teveya, he has no Raya at all. You can just very easily deny the whole thing. He has absolutely no Raya whatsoever. And you're coming and, and you're being Maida to have. So why does he have to make a Shavuah? So the answer is because Chazake, Eino Demeis Pono, Bifnei Bal We have the following Chazake. When you borrow money from someone, you don't have that Chutzpah to go and deny that, no, I didn't borrow a penny from you, I don't owe you anything. Rashi, remember we learned Rashi in Baba Kama, Rashi says this is specifically regarding a loan. When this person did you a favor, two things. Number one, he knows that you're lying. And number two, he did you a favor and you're going to deny all of it in his face. So in a case where the person is kaifer akayl, over there, that, the very fact that he's denying it all, that itself is a right that what he's saying is true. Otherwise, he wouldn't have had the chutzpah to say it. Right? So over here, this person, this person, if he, he would have wanted to, he's a liar. And therefore, he would have wanted to deny the entire thing. The hide the like the fact that he didn't deny the whole thing, it's not a sign of him being honest. 
not a sign of him being a Meshav Aveda that he's offering to pay half. Rather, Mishum Deinad Nemei is Panov. It's because this person doesn't have the chutzpah to deny the entire thing, because he, he might Adarabi, he might be a liar. And to say an even bigger lie, to deny the entire thing, that's something that's too hard for him. It's too much of a chutzpah for him. So therefore, in such a case, when a person is admitting to part of it, uh, we're Adarabi, there's a big suspicion that this person is lying, and therefore he has to make a shvur. The Gemara said, Rabbi went on to say another point, and here, according to Rashi, what the Gemara, what Rabbi now is addressing is, so wait a minute, the whole basis of this shvu over here is because you're suspecting this person of lying. So what's the point of having him swear? If you're suspecting him of lying and stealing, so then the shvu that he'll make will also swear falsely. Says the Gemara, no. It's not a person that's a liar that denies the loan because he's not interested in paying at all. Really, he would have wanted to have been made to admit and pay. The only reason why right now he's not admitting to this is because he's trying to avoid payment right now. He doesn't have the money in his, in his hands right now. So he's trying to delay and avoid the payment right now. So right now he, he, he denies it and he's planning on paying later. So he's not a person that we're really suspecting of being a thief, a ganev, a liar. It's someone that we could trust really. So therefore, in order for him not to deny it, and then later I'll just forget to pay the loan. So therefore, the this person thinks to himself, until I'll have money and then I'll pay, so let me just deny part of it for now, and then I'll give myself time, and then later on I'll be maiden. Later on I'll come and pay. The Tater says, no, 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 we can't wait for later. In such a case, he has to swear right now for what he's saying. The fact that you impose on him this shvua, this will get him to be made right away because he doesn't want to swear falsely. Right? So therefore, he's going to pay up right away. If he's not going to pay up right away, he may forget about it later. He's not going to pay at all. This is the, the, the logic, the explanation that Rabbi said for Amayda B'miktas. So now based on this, says the Gemara, The last point that we just said does not work by, by when you have Adim that are contradicting this person that denied the entire thing. When a person is a Amayda B'miktas, over here you could say that the reason why it was Amayda B'miktas is because he was trying to delay the payment. He's really an honest person. He just doesn't have the money. He's trying to delay the payment. So therefore he should swear to get him. We make him, we, we tell him he would have to swear to get him to pay right now. <coughs> but over here by Adas Adim, this person was caught red-handed in a lie. He came and said that I don't owe you anything. And, and then you have Adas Adim, the Adim come and say, no, you do owe 50%. Over here in such a case, when a person is a kaifer hakeil, over here you don't say this svara of eshtamutik kamishtamit l'chayda. Over here this svara doesn't apply. Over here Adarab, over here you caught this person that he lied. So therefore, Eimeloi, I would say that in such a case, by the Adas Adim, there's no reason to have this person swear because we're chayshirim that what he's saying is a lie. Therefore, Kamash Malon, Kavachaymer. Therefore, Abchia said that there's a Kavachaymer that says that if when a person is Maidibimiktas with his mouth, with his own Adas Baldin, then in such a case the Torah says you have to swear. So if you have Aidim that say that you owe half, for sure there's a Kavachaymer that teaches that he, does have to, that he does have to pay. Or that he does have to make a Shavuah, that is. Okay, the Gemara and I will explain the Kavachaymer. What is this Kavachaymer? Adrishainu over here point out that the, the, it's not so clear to understand what the Gemara is saying because Sof Sof, if what the point is trying to say is that there's no point to the Shavuah because this person was caught in a lie through the Edim, so what, what's the Kavachaymer going to help me? In the end of the day, by Maidu B'miktas, there's a point to the Shavuah because we're not suspecting him of, of lying. And over here, by when this person denied the entire thing, there's a, he's, he's a Chashur that he could be lying. How's the Kavachaymer going to help you? Why should he make a Shavuah? This is a big question that the Rishayim, Taisvis, and the other Rishayim discuss. 
you're going to have to say that soft, soft, the Kavachayim, teaches you that that whole swara that he's a chosher is not true. It gets complicated, but it, the point is that there's, there's something over here in the Gemara that's missing here in the explanation, which the Rishayim discussed this. Okay, let's go further see what is the uh, actual Kavachayim, that if you see the Torah says, Maidim makes a Shavuah, definitely by Edom you have to make a Shavuah. Says the Gemara, Oma Kavachayim, what's the Kavachayim? Oma Piv, if when it comes, when a person admits with his mouth, when you admit with your own mouth, that doesn't that's not you to pay. But nevertheless, you still have to swear for this. When Adam say testimony against someone, that is much stronger because it 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 causes it forces you to pay. Definitely, it should cause you to have to make a shvua as well. So the mother right away asks him this: This kavuchaim doesn't begin. When a person admits with his own mouth, he won't have to pay because of this. We know that the klal is when a person admits with his own mouth, it's as strong as a hundred Adam. And of course, if he admits himself, he's going to have to pay. The source for this, according to Rashi, actually is right here from the din of Maidu B'Mikzas. When the Torah says by Maidu B'Mikzas that for half, half you admit it and you have to pay and the other half you have to make a shvua. So right here the Torah says that for the half that you admit it, you have to pay. So the Gemara explains what it meant is, my mom and knas. What it meant to say is regarding knas. When a person admits to a penalty, the Allah by a knas is, as we learned in Baba Kama many times, when you made it to a knas, you putter. You learn that from Asher Yashin or Lekim, Pratla Mashiach If you made yourself, you putter. And therefore we say as follows when it comes to your mouth, when you're made We see that the power of what a person says is not as strong. Because it's not Machai you to pay a knas, but nevertheless, Machai Vishvuah, when you made yourself, you have to make a Shvuah. Aidim, Shem Machai Vinoisa Knas. So, Aidim, that when they testify against you, they're stronger. You have to pay the Knas. And Aidim, Shem Machai Vinoisa Shvuah. Definitely, if Aidim say that you owe half, it should be strong enough that you should have to make the same kind of Shvuah like a Maidim and Mikzas. Says the Gemara, but no, this is not a, not a good kavachayim. Malapiv, I can tell you that you know why when a person is made, tight is machayiv you to make a shvua because when you're made with your mouth, there's something there that's stronger than Adam. Where do you find when a person is made that's stronger than Adam? Shekem machayiv carbon. When a person is made with his own mouth, he's gonna have to bring a carbon. carbon. On the other hand, though, when it comes to Adam to testify against a person, you don't have to bring a carbon. And what does this refer to? It refers to a carbon chatos. If a person is made himself and comes and says, I ate chaylev, which is a case where you have to bring a carbon chatos, and he's, he admits with his own mouth, he has to bring a carbon. But if Adam come and say on a person, we saw that you ate this chaylev, and the person himself is, denies it, and the person says, no, I did not eat this chaylev, he does not have to bring this carbon. Rashi brings the Pasuk, says, Oi hoida elov, he himself has to admit to this. If the Adam testify against him and he contradicts the Adam, he does not have to bring this carbon. So we see over here that the power of a person being made with his own mouth is stronger than Adam. So maybe that's why by, by, uh, with your own mouth there's a shvur of Maidim Mikzas, but we can't learn out that by Adam it's the same thing. Says the Gemara, this, this concept of here regarding the carbon is actually a machlaikis. So how like Kashi, this is not a question, because Rabbi Chiyak Rabbi Meir Svirale. Rabbi holds like Rabbi Meir. And we learned in Rabbi Isa, Machlaikis about this, the Omar, Rabbi Meir says, Eidim, Machayven Oisa Karbim, Mechavachayme. If when you admit with your own mouth that you are Chayva Karbim Chatas, you have to bring that carbon. If Adam testify against you, definitely you're going to have to bring the carbon, even if you contradict and disagree or, or deny what Adam say. If not, as we learned in the Mishnah, Omri Loishnai, two people come and tell a person, Nachal Techelev, you ate these, these forbidden fats and you have to bring a carbon chatas. And he denies it, he says, Loyachalti, no, I didn't eat this. Rabmeir Mechayev, Rabmeir says, we follow what the Adam say and you have to bring the carbon. 
If the person denies what the Edom said, then we follow what the person says and he's potter. And again, this is all based on this pasuk of a hoida elov. That has to be him, that he admits to this. And if the Edom is saying and he denies it, according to the Chacham, will be potter. So now, Rav Meir, Rav Meir argues with the Chacham, Rav Meir explains, If we see that when two witnesses t- testify against a person, they can even bring the person to be chayiv misa. So the two people, Edom, that testify against the person, will we not trust their words that he should have to bring a carbon, even if this person denies what the Edom are saying? So for sure you should trust the Edom against this person's denial. So the Chachamim answer, no, in this case that doesn't work. What in this case, what happens if this person comes and says, you Edom testify that you saw me eating the chalif? True. I ate these fats, but I still don't have to bring a carbon chatas. Why? Because you don't know what I'm thinking in my mind. I ate this chalev intentionally, and carbon chatas is only b'shaykik, so I ate it b'mezah, so therefore, yipater, in such a case, is going to be potter. So therefore, the Chachamim say, when he denies what the Adam said, we can't be mechaivim a carbon. Really, as I said, the main point here is all revolves around the pasuk of oi hoida elov. That's the Chachamim of Chachamim and Rab Meir, whether in such a case, you'd be chayiv a carbon when you deny what the Adam said. Okay, so therefore the Gemara says, Rab could hold like Rab Meir that says that just like you're, when you're mighty, you have a carbon, Edom also have you a carbon. So therefore the Kavachayim that we said before stands. We don't find any stringency in a person being mighty more than Edom. So the Gemara says, I'll show you another case where when a person is mighty with his own mouth, it's more stringent than when Edom testify against the person. Where is that? When a person is mighty with his own mouth, what happens then? You have to bring a carbon ashram. This is another case, not the case of a carbon chatas. This is something we learned many times in the Gemara and Baba Kama. When a person denies regarding an object that he had in his possession as a pekadin, he denies it and he steals it to him for himself, and then later he's maida. What happens when you're maida yourself? You have to give back the principal, and you also have to give a carbon asham and a chaymish, and you have to also have to pay a fifth. Now over there, in that case, only if you're maida with your own mouth, then you pay the, the, the carbon asham and the fifth. If Adam testify against you, you don't have to bring the asham or the chaymish. Says the Gemara, no, not according to Rab Meir. Asham hain carbon. Asham is just another example of a carbon. So therefore, according to Rab Meir, even if Adam testify against you, you will have to bring the carbon Asham. It's the same thing. Ella says the Gemara, Malapiv, I can show you that there's a stringency when a person is mated with his own mouth that you don't find by Adam. The fifth that you have to pay in that case, it's only if you're mighty yourself. Not if Adam testify against you. So if so, I see that Haidah's piv is stronger than Adam. So you have no Kabul to say that if Maidah b'mitzvah you make a shvua, that when Adam testify against you, you should also have to make a shvua. Says the Gemara Nehole Kashia, that's not a question, because again, we're following here Rab Meir's opinion. holds like Just like when you have Adam testifying against you, so you have to bring that carbon, the Kavachaymer that he said before. So Same thing regarding a fifth. If Adam say that you stole this for yourself, you're going to have to pay that fifth as well. So therefore, according to Rab Meir, we find no stringency in Haidah's Piv when a person is made more than Adam. On the contrary, we find a case where Adam is more stringent than Haidah's Piv by the case of Knas. Okay, let's just finish off one more point over here. So the Gemara says, Ella, I can ask you the following question though. Malapiv, when it comes to a person that's made of something in his, with his own mouth, it's more stringent, it's more powerful. Why? The halacha of this being contradicted 
or the halacha of Edim Zaymimin does not apply in this case. Meaning, when you're might, if you're mighty to someone, I owe you $100. Then Edim come into the Bezan and say, you don't owe this $100. Or the Edim come into the Bezan and say, how could you say that you owe this $100? Imano, you said, I'm complaining. You were with us in a different place, so you don't owe this money. That's the concept of Zaymimin. You're still going to have to pay. Once you're mighty, even if other Edim deny, uh, uh, contradict this, it doesn't make a difference. You still have to pay. So that shows you how powerful the Haidah of a person's mouth is. On the other hand, Adam are not as powerful as that. If Adam testify that someone owes money and other Adam contradict it, or other Adam come and are mazim this and say, you don't have to pay. So therefore, the Gemara says, the Kalvachayim that Abchir says is, a prob- is problematic. The point of his Kalvachayim is to say that Adam are stronger than when he's mighty with his own mouth, but right over here we see that it's not necessarily true. When a person is mighty with his own mouth, it's more powerful than Adam. Because when you're mighty with your own mouth, you're automatically going to have to pay. There's no Akhash and Azama against that. By Adam, though, there is Akhash of Azama against that. Okay, so the Gemara is going to go on over here and try a different interpretation for this Kalvachayim.